my friends? Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Jimmy Gutierrez, and thank you so much for tuning in to another podcast. So today, I have a good friend of mine as a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my friend, Jehad. Welcome, brother. Yes, I love it. I love the introduction. Happy to be here. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, friends. It's awesome being here. Jihad, thank you so much for taking your time of your Saturday and coming on the show to talk about, you know, we're going to share some good, uh, some of your knowledge and things that be, you've been doing. How you feeling, bro? Feeling great, man. It's, um, I think it's awesome getting the opportunity to connect with you, right? We haven't, uh, we haven't spoken, I would say a couple months and, uh, you know, these opportunities, we get the chance to just chop it up. Uh, whether we're talking fitness, because that's obviously my big passion, or just lifestyle stuff, and um, I'm happy to share anything that's been going on in my life lately. Yeah, thank you, thank you, brother, for giving me that call yesterday, and we d we didn't really plan this podcast for, uh, we just uh, uh, talked about it yesterday, and today we're making it happen, so that's great. Yeah, I think uh, you know these uh, spontaneous or serendipitous moments where we where we get to just say, hey, listen, let's let's. Let's connect. Let's let's have a conversation. Let's uh, let's take some time and just, you know, meet with the minds. Exactly, bro. So today um, you're gonna share some stuff you've been doing, and and why don't you share um, to the to our listeners uh, where are you from, and um, what uh, where do you grow up, and your ethnicity, so they can understand a little bit more about yourself or learn more about yourself. Sure, sure. Uh, my name is Jihad Ibrahim. Uh, I've been born and raised in New York, um, currently in Yonkers, New York, so lower Westchester, um, but um, my ethnicity, Palestinian descent, both of my parents are Palestinian, um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome getting to uh, still stay connected to their culture, as, as it is mine as well, uh, and, you know, one of the things that I usually really drive well with is my roots, you know, and we'll, we'll get further into, you know, how deep we could go with our roots, whether it's our culture or it's uh, how our body responds to movement and hey. such. Yes, sir. And thank you again for coming out, coming here on the show to share about your culture and your roots, which is important to, you know, stay connected to your roots and where you, where you come from. Sure. All right, Jihad. So, why don't you tell me wh what you've been up to these days, bro? It's been, uh, I think, like anybody, you know, we've, you know, life is a big roller coaster ride, and um, you know, one thing I like to say is, um, you know, I, I turned thirty this year, and uh, you know, my twenties, it was almost like you're holding on for dear life. You don't know what's gonna happen. It's your first time on a roller coaster, and now I'm like, you know, now that I'm thirty. I'm just I'm just enjoying the ride, and I think I have so much more confidence with those who are around me, my supporting circle. So now I get to just kind of ride the roller coaster with my hands up, knowing that it's all enjoying good. It. Yeah, no, I'm in good hands. You know, nothing's gonna happen. We're good. That's a that's a good um, mindset to have. And any any tips you want to share to all our listeners in their twenties? In, in general, about life. That's a good question. I would say, um, I'd say the biggest thing is uh, to try new things, to be um, to be open minded when it comes to uh, taking chances and and I like to say taking a jump. You know, so if there's an opportunity that comes your way, don't think so much about it. You know, plan for what it might look like and feel like, but take that chance if it feels good. If your gut is saying go for it, just freaking go for it. Don't, don't think too much. Don't overthink it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, bro. I know I have a lot of listeners in their 20s. And and Jihad, um, so you were telling me of, of the podcast that you've been doing, um, Ra Ramadan, is it Ra Ramadan? Yeah, Ramadan. Ramadan. Yeah, this is the, so we're now, um, this is the third day of Ramadan. When did, when did, when did it start? Uh, started two days ago. Two uh, days ago. We'll say three days ago. Uh, I would say the first day was the 20, hmm, 23rd. Does it usually start like the same day, date every year? No, it's actually funny. So um, every year it starts uh, 10 days behind, or we'll say 10 days ahead. So <clears throat> last year we started first week of April, and now we're at the last week of March. 
and at some point it will be back in winter. But um, yeah, it is. It just follows a an annual calendar, and it goes ten days ahead, if that makes sense. Ten days. So next year will be ten years before, like in March, but before, not not April. Yeah. So it'll be. So next year, God willing, it'll be. It would start March. 12th around wow. March 12th, March 13th, March 15th. It revolves around the moon. And I won't get so deep into the moon because um you know I was actually having a conversation with some of my relatives yesterday. Um realistically it starts with the new moon and that's when the moon is completely it looks as if it's empty. And on the first day of Ramadan it's a beautiful very thin 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 crescent. And the last day of Ramadan, God willing, this is actually a question I want to I want to bring up to another phone of my friends is um does it go back to a new moon or a full moon? So from what I was told, it, it will go back to a full moon. And it, what's cool about this whole experience, whether it's your culture, your roots, your religion, um, it's like I said, it's a journey. So, so all the things I don't know now, I don't, I don't mind asking questions and finding out. So exactly. So let me ask you something. The Ramadan, what culture or religion do practice Ramadan? Muslims. Only Muslims? Muslims practice Ramadan. Um, uh, that doesn't mean that because you know Ramadan. A big thing about Ramadan is um, fasting, but there's other there's other components to it that make it what it is. And um, we're not. You know, I say we, uh, Muslim religion, Islam. There, we're not the only people that observe a form of fasting, which is kind of cool. You know, I think uh, I think it's a very valuable. I think it's a very valuable challenge that all human beings should take up on, and I think that there's a lot more awareness towards fasting, whether they're water fasting or some people will fast. And when it comes to the church, when if there's an illness, so I think uh, I think fasting is very powerful for for everyone. How long um, before we get into fasting? How long does Ramadan last? So I would say it's roughly around 28 to 30 days. And like I said before, it revolves around the moon. It's funny because every year it's like, or when's, um, you know, when does it end? And it usually comes around like the final couple days where we know, all right, this is the last day. This is the final day. And we get to celebrate uh, the following day for sure. And what are some of the restrictions or things that you're not supposed to do during Ramadan besides fasting? Yeah. So we look at fasting, right? It's 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 going to be a sunrise to sundown, no food or drink. But then again, like the other components is um, the other restrictions, and of course, you know, depending on depending on where our listeners are, you know, some people drink, some people smoke. Um, so you you're basically doing your best to take all sins away, all all areas of distraction away. So I even I even do my best to take off social media, no alcohol, no no any other forms of substances, no intimacy. Um, there's other other restrictions when it comes to intimacy if, with your if you're married and such. But uh, yeah, there's other things like even during the day, um, talking bad about someone. You you want to refrain yourself from from speaking bad about someone. Negativity and Negativity. addictions and all that. Yeah, and I think that. I think it's powerful because it gets you to second think uh, how you respond to things and how you know some people are more likely to react when they get angry. And think about if you're not eating or drinking anything, you're going to be more likely to react. Absolutely. Man. But you have to pull yourself back and say, you know what? I got to maintain a level of peace. I have to maintain a level of respect for those around me as well as myself. Yeah, it's. Uh like you said, I think uh, also the fasting and it's a, like once a year at least. It's something good because we we don't realize how much we depend on food until you fast. And then it, it even if if I like I'm speaking for myself. If I don't have breakfast one day, then I'm I'm feeling like some type of way. I'm not at my best performance. I guess it's because I'm too used to ha waking up having breakfast every day. So. I I respect you know the the fasting that you practice because it seems like it's not an easy challenge and especially for thirty days. Yeah, I think that's a, that's that's a big thing is the fact that uh, we are, you know, we are creatures of habits and oftentimes if we take ourselves out of that routine of having breakfast, having lunch, having that fuel, 
right? Food is fuel at the end of the day. Yeah. So if we're not having food, if we're not having water, we have to do our best to we have to do our best to make sure that we're staying uplifted and raised. We have to do our best to make sure that we're staying sharp and we do our best not to react to issues and we know how to respond to them. So it's a it's a challenge that um, I actually look forward to, but when the day comes, like a couple days before, I get a little anxious, like, oh, man, what's it going to be like? But it ain't nothing new. You know, it's, I've done it, been there before. It's just you look forward to that struggle in a way. So since what age did you start practicing Ramadan? Um, I would say around 15 years old. Um, is when I started to observe Ramadan very lightly. Um, you know, my parents were, you know, we're, were Muslim, but we weren't super religious. And of course, I mean, religion could go in any ways you observe to whatever degree you can, and you 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 choose to. But it was never forced upon us. It was more like, hey, this is this is what our household is doing, and if you'd like to participate, try it out, see how it's like. And um, so, so it, it's optional. It's it. Everything in this world is optional. Yeah, I mean, realistically, you know, when you look at it this way, my parents are really, my parents are super nonchalant. They're very cool, and uh, they never forced anything. You know, I think they're they're def they're definitely very open minded. But then again, also like, hey, these are these are the this is the system that we follow. This is the the structure that we have laid out. This is the plan, the roadmap. And if you choose to follow it with us, that's good. That's what we recommend. But it, nothing was really forced. It was more like, it, it was almost like invited, like, all right, you're, you're, you're becoming an adult now. And this is something that we adults do on an annual basis for 30 days. This is what it looks like, feels like, and sounds like. Try it out. See how it feels. Know that you're not doing it alone. You know, and I think that one of the reasons why I continued to fast or I got deeper into it was knowing that I'm one of over a billion people that are going through this struggle. You know, it's not just me. So I don't have to be closed-minded and think, oh, I'm hungry. Like why me? <laughs> yeah, why am I dealing with this? Oh, why me? Exactly. I think that the fact that you have a, that it was, you know, your parents didn't really force you to to do this. And you also have the support of your family that you guys are doing this together. It makes it, does it makes it like easier for you to, during this uh, time of Ra Ramadan, to, to be committed to it because it's something that you, You have to uh, do every day, and I guess it really tests out if how 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 much you can adapt to commitment and mm -hmm. following your daily uh, routine of not doing the things you're not supposed to do during Ramadan. Yeah, I um, yeah, it's um, like like I said, not you know, nothing being forced. It was more like invited, and um, you know, I always I openly invite other people to try it out as well. Um, so it's, it's, like I said, it doesn't need to be tied to religion to fast or to do these things. But then again, uh, knowing that there's like a brotherhood, knowing that my surrounding circle of close friends who are majority of them are all Muslim as well. Um, knowing that we're doing it together, knowing that we're not following the same routine, but we know that we get to have breakfast, so to speak together. Um, whether it's weekly or whether it's throughout the whole month, uh, it's nice to know like I'm not struggling and suffering alone. Like we get to we get to go through this together for sure. It's very helpful. Is there any uh, difference uh, during like the things that you do during Ramadan for like a female and a male? Any gender difference when it comes to Ramadan? Um. I wouldn't say that there's any difference. I think it's pretty much the same. And, I'll, you know, going through the layout, right, there's no no food or drink from a little bit before sunrise to sundown, right? The first, it goes around like the first prayer of the day. The first prayer of the day is called Fajr. And that's when the cutoff happens. And that's right around 5.30 in the morning right now. Um, so everyone, you know, everyone who's practicing Ramadan, at that time frame, we all cut ourselves off from drinking any liquid and eating any food. Um, and, you know, I would say the prayers are optional. Some people would disagree with me on that. But, yeah, the prayers are optional. You know, you practice and observe Ramadan. You practice and observe religion to whatever it is that meets your needs right now. 
And if you get, if you progress with it and you start to add on prayer, great. If you start to progress with it and start to add on other forms of giving back, right? Because that's another form of Ramadan is giving back. To the community. Giving back to the community, giving back to those that have less. So, um, you know, giving back is a big thing. Um, obviously, restriction for yourself when it comes to food, when it comes to intimacy, when it comes to uh, social media. Social media. I mean, that's like I would say that's more of a choice. I wouldn't say everyone takes social media off. But I think it's a good. I think it's a good decision because right, you're putting more time into prayer. You're putting more time into learning about the religion, and um, I think that's a big reason why Ramadan comes every year. It's almost like a. It's almost like a new year for us. New year. You know, I look at it that way. And it, a big thing that I like about this whole, like, new year approach, when the new year comes, it's like, all right, Christmas, new year. Boom, New Year's resolutions. Where What I love about Ramadan is Ramadan comes, you create goals, you work on those goals for 30 days, and whatever habits that you've created for yourself, it's up to you to take on this new year. This 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 new venture, you, know, you have all these good habits to run with. It's it's really up to you now to take it on with it or to go back into your regular lifestyle. It doesn't make you a bad person if you go back to your regular lifestyle. Right. Still, put yourself through those thirty days. Yeah. What is a um, typical day in the life of jihad? You describe like your routine during Ramadan. Uh huh. Um, so. It's it's so I'm still feeling it right now. Still trying to get a feel for it. My sleeping routine is so thrown off, but I think that usually happens to me during Ramadan because you're getting up for prayer very early. Uh, you kind of sleep through the day to kind of break up the time frame because you want to like you're like oh man it's three o'clock right now I got another four or five hours. Let me get an hour reset. Um, but right now, um, five thirty in the morning, I try to wake up a little bit before, so five o'clock in the morning, wake up. I have some water, some you know, a light meal, maybe some oats, uh, something to just hold me over to give myself some nutrients. Um, and depending on what my work schedule is like, I'll go throughout my work day from there. Um, oh, pardon me. After that, I usually get my fejid prayer in as well. And then from there, I choose whether or not I want to go back to bed, kind of break up the day a little bit, or go into my work day. Um, It's hard, the working out right now. I have to be very mindful about how I train and how I navigate that. So usually I would say, because you know, I'm, I'm a runner. I don't run early in the day because I feel like it's going to deplete me. I haven't really tested that out as much. So I usually get my runs in an hour before breakfast. An hour, an hour before. Yeah, an hour on an empty stomach. Yeah, but here's the cool thing. Realistically, we have enough energy to get us through the day. You know, if if we were to not eat anything for three days, for a week, we could do that. It's the water that gets me a little worried. Um, so the cool thing about my training block right now, I'm not forcing myself to do more than I need to. And I'm not doing the bare minimum. I'm just finding that happy medium. So my running routine now, it's I'm not pushing myself for long distance. I'm not pushing myself for speed. I'm pushing myself for feel. And my breathing, my foot striking. So I have an hour. I can run for 30 minutes and reset the day. But um, like I said, I don't try to force anything that I, uh, anything more. But, and lastly, um, iftar, breaking fast. That happens pro roughly around 7.15. And towards the end of the month, it's going to be around 7.50 to almost 8 o'clock. And it, it revolves around the sunrise and sunset. So I would say that's that's the most important aspects of my schedule right now, besides like the work and other things in between that could kind of change things up. But you're still um, getting used to this new routine and and like ad adapting to the uh, the fasting. And how how long would you say it takes you like for you to really get into like the this new routine and and the fasting? Um, it's funny. First, yeah, the first week is always tough. I would say the first few days is tough because you kind of have to surrender to it. Um, the first week I have this uh, this spiritual like connection. I say the first one to two weeks, I try to hold on to as long as I can. But by by the third week and the fourth week, I'm like, all right, man, 
I think I'm ready for this to be done. And that's just, uh, that, hey, listen, it's human nature. You know, you, you want to be back into the realm of fueling yourself on a regular basis. So like I said, it's a struggle. It's a challenge. But um, the first week is tough. The second week, I would say, is usually the best because you've kind of surrendered to it. The third week, you're like, okay. You start to kind of count down a little bit. <laughs> you start to look forward to the end in a good way, of course. I mean, we're human beings, and... I couldn't see myself doing this for 365 days. Yeah. 30 days is plenty. Yeah, that's a good uh, good amount of time. Sure. To make it a habit too. No? Absolutely. And look, you know, it's it's how much of a habit you want to make it is one thing, right? Because it's 30 days, and once those 30 days are up, you get to go back into your routine. But I think the habits lie with, you know, so I I, I use THC on a, on a regular basis. I smoke weed. So for me to be able to take that time away from smoking weed, it's like, okay, how do I want to reinvite that habit into my life? Because or maybe it's not a habit, but it's a, a treat for some of us. But for some of us, we might take advantage of it. We might use it on a regular basis. We might do it every single day. So Overuse it. Yeah, and overuse it. So I think that the beautiful thing about this month is, and of course, some people disagree with me, and some people say, oh, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be doing that stuff. Hey, listen, I'm a human being. You know, certain things I do. And with that being said, when it comes to me reinviting that, 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 that form of my lifestyle into, into my routine, I have to be very cautious on, on, on how, I, how I use it as a treat and how I don't use it as a chore and, and a duty or a part of my routine. So back into the habit side of things, I think that it's, it's, it's almost like, we don't focus on creating the habit around not being able to eat or drink. It's more like what habits are we going to reinvite into our life if they serve us a purpose? And if they don't, and if we feel good without them, don't bring them back. See how much longer you can go without it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great that you have uh, this time to, uh, to you know, like uh, to, uh, get rid of some habits. And then during this 30, mi- 30 days, after the 30 days you decide whether you can think more whether those those habits you want to bring them back or get rid of them for sure i think we get so um in this life and i'll and say it you know living in america we have so many things up to our disposal everything is we have access to everything yeah. and um it's almost too much yeah, you can, you can get carried away, and then you don't realize, like, okay, when did I develop this yeah. habit, or why I'm, why do I depend too much on this? Or Yeah, sometimes we use certain things as a crutch, you know, whether it's uh, some people using alcohol as a crutch when they, say, if they finish work, and they want to go to happy hour, and that's like a routine for them, because it's a social environment, but then again, if you are observing Ramadan, and you know that you're not going to be going to the bar, it's going to be like, okay, I don't have to go to happy hour every Friday to celebrate the week being over. You know, Maybe I'll do it if I have a successful month. Maybe I won't do it at all. It all depends on how you're really looking to navigate going forward. So that kind of comes back into you know, those habits and what habits really look like when it comes to Ramadan and, 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 and going forward after Ramadan. What are some new, um, let's say, uh, healthy habits you're looking to develop now during this time of Ramadan? I would say I would say the number one healthy habit is practicing stillness on a regular basis. Um, you know, one thing that I preach in my fitness in my fitness programs for my clients is mindfulness and stillness. And I think it is very important for us to practice some form of stillness to start the day. So that's where that fejed prayer comes into the mix. Fedget could be fr- it could be three a.m. sometimes the year, and right now it's five thirty a.m. It's like five thirty a.m. is like perfect, it's a perfect time to start your day, in my opinion, depending on your work schedule and such. But I would say the most important habit that I want to hold on to for the rest of the year is praying Fedget on time to start the day every day, and I think it's you know it takes literally four minutes. Four minutes. Can you explore the people that? Don't know what does the the, the praying. You said fed fedich. Fedjir. Right. Well, can you explain like what what does it exactly like mean? Is it a, t- a certain type of praying or? Uh, all right. So there is a uh, five 
prayers throughout the day that we as Muslims would practice. Uh, Fajr being the first one, uh, Duhud being the second one in the afternoon, um, Asid being the next one, Maghrib, and Aisha. These are terms that we use. I actually don't know where these terms have come from. It actually gives me a good reason to look further into that. But um, it's more so um, the prayer system is relatively similar each time you're going through it. You could recite different scriptures um, depending on... You do, do this pray, pray in English or in your native uh, language? In Arabic. Arabic. And you know what's, what's, what's actually kind of funny about it is I don't speak good Arabic at all. But part of my duty right now is memorizing these scriptures and then over time understanding what do these scriptures mean. So it's kind of a, <laughs> it's kind of ass backwards because normally you'd want to know what you're saying. Yeah. But um, of course, you know, with the Quran, you're reciting these scriptures from the Quran and during this journey of life, I don't have to know everything right now, but as long as I create good habits along the process and as long as I understand, I have two big reasons why I want to learn Arabic. And one, the biggest reason is to be able to communicate with my grandmother before she passes and be able to have a good, strong conversation, light her up, let her know that I've been working on this. She knows I speak poor, poor Arabic, and <laughs> she knows that I'm working on it. I also want to be able to connect with those back home. But realistically, I also want to know what I'm reciting throughout the book of the Quran. Right. I want to know what it says. I want to know what the stories are like. I want to know what lessons are being taught during the process because religion, realistically, it's a way of life and that way I look at it, right? It's, a, it's, it's not, a, you don't have to do anything. You follow it to whatever meets your needs and what makes sense to you, it makes you feel good. So part of the reason why I like to follow is because it just makes sense to me and uh, it gives me something to work on as a human. Interesting. I have another question. As a Muslim, if uh, you choose not to follow Ramadan or practice any of the uh, like the, the way of life of the Muslim uh, religion, or what what is believed that's going to happen to that person, like in a for example, like in a Catholic uh, church, it's like if if you don't really like follow, you know what the Bible says, I mean, you're, you're they say you're, you're going to hell or things like that. Yeah. It's, uh, I was actually having a conversation with a relative of mine and how we, um, <coughs> how the way that Islam and hopefully other religions have been portrayed and have been relayed and introduced have been a bit softer. And it could be good or bad. But um, Ramadan is one of our five pillars of Islam. So in order for you to, uh, in order for you to pass on, to the highest point of life and, and, and to go to paradise, so to speak, heaven and such, and not go to hell, it's to follow these five pillars. You know, pray, uh, prayers being one of them, Ramadan being another one, giving back on an annual basis is another one. So following these five pillars is what's going to get you to that next level of life, to get you to level up. And uh, I think that's, the, that's, that's kind of like when we think about being a human, we always want to level up. So what's the, what's the greatest form of leveling up? It's to go to paradise at the end of the day or at the end of life. So I think uh, as a kid, I was told, you're going to go to hell if you don't do this and do that. But now it's being, it's being relayed where it's like, follow the lead of leaders who have done great. If you want to walk the way of life of those that have done great, follow these routines. Follow these, these lifestyle approaches. If you want to get to paradise, follow. If you don't, it's on you. You know, it's almost like, hey, do the best you can, but then again, if you if you turn your eye and you choose not to do anything at all, that's you, on you. You know where you're going to end up. Yeah, that's on you. Yeah. And whatever that looks like and feels like for everyone is it could be completely different for other people. Um so, it's it's but for the Muslim culture, I definitely think it's been related a little bit different for from what I my ears have been hearing and for the ways that I look to pass it on as far as like the information to my younger cousins or anyone older cousins kids nephews whatever it is i don't want to be so harsh i think that um that got me to run from religion in the past where it's like it was too strict or too uh yeah i think when something's being forced and that's why i love my parents so much is because 
it was never forced. It's funny. I'm actually, I would say, I'll give myself the credit here. Uh, maybe my siblings would disagree, but I would say I'm one of the more religious persons in the family um, that try to get people to come on and follow my lead and, and, and persuade them to do other acts of the Muslim faith. Um, but like I said, religion is something that pract- is practiced within. Um, and if someone likes how you're moving through life, they could follow your lead. But uh, I'm not a I'm not a recruiter for Islam. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I just want to do my best to practice in what makes sense for me. And if, and if I walk away of life, great. And if you want to follow my lead, feel free. If you have questions, I'm happy to answer. And if I don't have the answer, I'll freaking find it. All right, that's great. Yep, thank you for sharing great information about Ramadan. I I wasn't uh, I didn't really know much about the, this uh, the one of the the pillars of uh, your the five pillars you were saying of your religion. So it's it's really nice to to learn about other religions. Uh, I'm I consider myself Catholic as well, but I am not really too Catholic. Meaning as I don't really go to church every every weekend but as i get older like i am tr- i try to uh follow like a way of a, a way of la- life that will lead me to god and and you know like do do well, do good to others and uh do constructive things sure but um we're gonna go on a quick uh break and we're gonna come back on the podcast for the second part and we're gonna talk about uh fitness and uh, I know you've been running and preparing for running even during Ramadan. So yep. I'd like to, I'm sure the the people would like to listen to your story, how you prepare for this running and all the good stuff. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Let's do this. Are you planning a special event but worry about capturing those special moments? Look no farther. Our team of experienced professionals offer video and photo services that will make your event unforgettable. With our event videography services, we capture every moment from the ceremony to the reception, creating a stunning highlight reel that you can cherish forever. Our event photography services offer beautiful, high-quality photos that capture the essence of your event from candid moments to post-portraits. Contact us today to learn more about our services and pricing options. We are located in New York, and we are serving Manhattan, Queens, Westchester. And we're back to the second part of the podcast. I had uh, so, uh, some technical difficulties, but we figured it out. <laughs> Definitely. How you, how you feeling, Jihad? Feeling great, man. I am happy to be here, like I said before. Um, and let's get back to it. How's uh, your experience so far doing? This is your second podcast. Yeah, I don't. So it, it's interesting. I don't speak often on podcasts and or or any kind of speaking events. And I think one of my goals this year is to speak more. I mean, not in a sense of ramble off in conversations when I'm talking to people, but I would say speak more when it comes to informing others, when it comes to health, when it comes to lifestyle approach. Uh, goal setting, all that good stuff that I know that people could thrive with in this life. Um, give some um, value to the people, like some good uh, knowledge. Sure. So let's visit whether it's a, a seminar that I get to hold or speak at a, a conference of some sort or get to speak more, um, you know, more open mics. Uh, I was actually just, uh, I got to do a speech for my uh, my sister's wedding last weekend. And uh, when she asked me to speak, I was fired up because... I think, I think everyone likes to be heard in a way. Yeah. Um, and if you have something good to say, that makes it even more exciting. So, like a situation like this, I w- I was so excited to talk about Ramadan, and I'm of course I'm excited to talk about myself, and of course to hear more about what's going on in your life. Um, but I think that's why these opportunities are really cool, is because yeah, we get to chop it up. But I think at the end of the day, some people just like to some people we we like to talk. We like to talk about ourselves, and we like to be heard about us. Sure. Like, I think it's human nature. Yeah, and I'm totally fine with yeah. it. Yeah. So, uh, can you, can you, Jihad, can you share what what are you? What's your source of fuel these days during Ramadan? What are you, what are you eating these days to stay when you can? You know, to stay uh, to have enough energy to do your daily activities like work or working out and yeah. 
Uh, well, I think, uh, you know, it's actually cool. I brought a, I brought a couple of things um, that I could share with you for sure that I think that you'll enjoy. Um, I brought over one of my favorite coconut water brands. I'm not sponsoring these guys, but if you want to go out and try it, Once Upon a Coconut, great, great fuel source, right? Good source of electrolytes. Um, that's actually usually what I start my day off with. That's for you, man. It's not cold. I, I think coconut water should only be drinking cold. And I think it's, it's kind of weird to say because it doesn't come from a coconut cold, but it is way more enjoyable when it's uh, ice cold, whether you're on the beach or uh, you're going to go for a run. I think it could definitely serve as a good solid pre-workout. And the, the last thing that I brought for you today, I got you some dates. Um, so have a date, my friend. Um, I would say Is that called dates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those that actually have a pit in them, and um, that's the first thing. You know, if we're gonna go back into the Ramadan conversation for for a brief minute, that's yeah. the first thing that we um that we ingest aside you from. Peel it or just you could bite it and then, but you know, there's that there's gonna be a pit in there, or you could peel it, whatever you want. Um, go after it, man, and um. I think um, the reason why that we'll use dates as a form of fuel, it is a very bioavailable form of sugar that is good for getting those sugar sources back in our body. We need some form of sugar, whether it's through, through, fu- uh, through fruit, um, to refuel us. And um, That's good. Yeah, so I brought you two of my favorite things. Uh, dates is funny. Sometimes I tell my friends, I'm like, dates, my favorite fruit. And they're like, dude, but like, tangerines, watermelons, kiwis, all that other good stuff. You're really limiting that. And I'm like, yeah. But there's like a special tie to dates that I really enjoy because it's the first thing that we ingest during Ramadan. Right? So you kind of uh, you you look forward to it. You value it so much. And it's got such a sweet flavor to it. And some dates are like kind of bland and kind of dry. And then you get like really, really, really good juicy dates. So I would say that's kind of like the, I would say it's a B-grade date, not going to lie. I tried to find some better ones, but I got to I gotta do some fishing around right now, um, especially because I'm going to be eating them every day. But I put that thing in the fridge later on and enjoy Thank that. You. It's so good. So you said you can only have, uh, during Ramadan, you can only have coconut water? You can't have like other type of waters? Or no, you can have whatever you want, just no alcohol. No alcohol. Yeah, you could have <coughs> like it's like one of my one of my crutches during Ramadan is Coca Cola. Coca Cola is like my kryptonite every single day. Well, I say pizza as well. Um, I went the past two years. I made a weird Ramadan goal of having pizza twenty days out of the thirty days out of the month. Uh, I think pizza is just it's a very you know you could go so many different ways with it, but um. It is, uh, that's always been like my, uh, one of my favorite things to eat during Ramadan. So even if I, even if my mom's cooking something, I'll still bring a pie pizza over, uh, just as like a little snack. <coughs> but, um, yeah, you could drink whatever you want aside from any alcohol, you know? I, so like I said, regular water is usually what I would start the day with. Coconut water is usually what I would, like before the day would start. Pardon me. I would usually have coconut water before the day of fasting begins to give myself a good source of fuel that I just don't think water itself has. Of course, we know water is like the ultimate form of fuel. Um, but uh, yeah, you could drink anything you'd like. And like I said, Coca-Cola is like, even though it's unhealthy, uh, it's still like one of my go-to <laughs> uh, beverages of choice during Ramadan, for sure. Thanks for sharing that information about the food that you have and during this time of Ramadan. Sure. Yeah, let me ask you something. What? Why do you? Why do you love running so much? Ah, it's a. Uh, I I like the idea of taking my body from one place to another on foot. So if you think about the context of a marathon, it's twenty six friggin' miles. Yeah, that's a lot of miles, dude. And it, it's it's a journey, right? It's it's one of those things where you have to obviously break it up in legs and make it more digestible but i i love the empowering aspect of when i'm running on the road and people are driving their cars and you know they could be driving for 15 minutes or 10 minutes and i could be running for an hour but i'm taking my machine from one place to another on foot i'm i'm going through this struggle internally to tell myself that i'm going to the end of this run 
I'm not going to stop. Um, so there's like that uh, that empowering aspect of just doing it and, and just going, challenging yourself. Uh, yeah, me mentally. And there's often times when I'm doing it, and I'm like, why the hell am I doing this right now? And at the end of the day, I remind myself, I'm doing this because I'm the 1% of the world. I'm doing this because I want to put myself in a position that I want to struggle and I want to feel good afterwards knowing that I finished it and I said I wasn't going to do it. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way of uh, seeing life that, you know, life, it's, it's not supposed to be easy and happiness all the time. Like at some point, you're going to struggle and if I think like running and putting yourself through challenges can prepare you for those times too and when you really have to struggle and you're not easy like like you, you don't break down so easily yo that's a freaking great point and uh you know one of the things with with running one of my coaches she mentioned you know what goes up must come down and what goes down will come up so and that that goes into reference of the hills that you do when it comes to running not every run is going to be completely flat You know, some of us runners really enjoy flat races because it gives us a chance to do a personal record. But um, I eat and love hills. You know, when it comes to runs and I see a big hill coming my way, I get my breathing pattern in check, and I eat that hill, meaning I go for it. You know, I do my best. I don't let it break me down. I let it fuel me. And, of course, it's getting me tired because you're going uphill rather than downhill. Yeah. But in my mind... I'm telling myself, I'm going to I'm going to beat this hill, and everyone else in front of me that's going to slow down on this hill, I'm going to surpass them. And uh, that's the funny thing with running. It's like the people around you that you're running with could be your teammates, but then again, they're also your competition. You use them as fuel, but then again, you use them as fire. You don't want anyone to pass you at a certain point. You're like, you know what? No, you're you're attached. You're you're by my side, and I'm not going to let you get past me. Th that's one thing I've realized too. Uh, I don't know what it is, but uh, it's like a human nature thing too. Like if you are in a run with uh, more people, you're most likely to be motivated to be n to not be the last person <laughs> running. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I've um, we just um, organized a, a, a running club with a few friends of mine. And uh, I love like the competition side of it. It's like a friendly competition. But at the end of the day, there is a little bit of that primal idea of like, no, nah, I'm not going to be in the back, but do I want to lead from the front? Absolutely. And um, it takes a lot. And it, of course, it takes a lot to tell yourself that you're going to push yourself even when you're tired. And like you said before, man, it, it does prepare you for those forms of struggle for sure. That's, um, a good, that's a good uh, way of looking at it, at, at running too, like yeah. preparing for a struggle. Yeah, and dude, I um, I used to tell my clients that running is bad for them, which is, you know, running is really not ideal for everyone when I look at it at the end of the day. Running is something that it it should be progressed to, right? So if, if, if you know, and I say this respectfully, if someone is, um, if someone is pretty heavy, There's other activities that should be done to get the joints prepared for running. Um, there's a lot of people out there that started running when they were 300 pounds. You know, David Goggins being one of them. And I think he's one of my inspirations to why I think and I get the idea that I could push further and I could go much further. This guy does 100-mile races. So ultra ultra mar marathons, ultra marathons. So you know, at the end of the day, when I'm when I'm going into a marathon race or a half marathon, I'm like, dude, I'm just doing 13 miles. This guy is doing 100 mile races. He's done them back to back. He's he's had blood coming from his big toe and his, his big toe being the size of a balloon. You know, chafing and still going for and still running, taping his ankles and still getting after it. So it's like, granted. We don't want to break the body down if we want to use this machine for a long time. But it is also really amazing to see how resilient this machine is and how much it could repair itself when it is broken and how we could take it to further levels that maybe our brain doesn't even know of yet. Yeah, no, that's, that's the, and the thing about running, too, it's you really have to put a lot of time into it, you know, like, you're not gonna be able to run like three miles uh under like 25 minutes like 
the first time you start running. You no. You have to, like, prepare. And I, I think, like, speaking for myself, I think that's why I, I get more motivated, like, to go outside and run during, like, the summer or springtime, during the good weather. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the winter, like, that's when I, I don't really run. But, um, like I was saying, is like, I realized for me running it, it's good because I, um, enjoy seeing the progress too. Like, okay, I, today I did two miles. Tomorrow I'm going to try to do three miles. And mm-hmm. Yeah. And dude, you, we, um, when we really started connecting, that's when I first started running, right? When we, we, we ran the, the Tappan Zee bridge and we did that six yeah. mile run together. I was just getting started. I was just getting started with my running venture. Um, and as I mentioned, during COVID, gyms were closed, and I had a client who was a runner. Um, she was based out of Long Island. She's actually one of my running coaches right now. And, um, you know, I always go for her. I always go to her for questions, and if I'm preparing for a race, fuel sources, what certain things that I should be thinking of. But um, I got into running basically because of her. Um, I wanted to stay connected with my clients during this time frame, and that was one of the ways that – we used to do it. We used to break up our training block. We used to have a day of strength and conditioning. We used to have a day of just mobility and stability. And then we have the day when we would go run together. And that was our time when we'd get an hour to just just really just struggle together. Because I think as a coach, it's not often where you're struggling with your client, where, they're f- where you're feeling their pain yeah. with them. And I think that was one of the most valuable lessons that I've learned as a coach is it's good to struggle with your clients every now and then. It's you know, you don't always have to have your hands behind your back or you're, you're holding a clipboard and holding telling the them iPad. what to do. Yeah, holding the iPad, telling them what to do. I think even that, that, that motivates more like your – when I go to the gym and see like a, a like a personal trainer, like they, they are leading by exam- for example. So I feel like the, the even the clients get more motivated rather than with a coach that just like grabs like the, the, the iPad and just watch them, tells them what to do and just watch them. Yeah, so that's something that I've actually introduced into my training programs for my clients is I've noticed that I had some clients that didn't want to be told what to do while someone is just standing over them, talking to them, telling them what to do. So I started to introduce partner training with some of my clients, and I, th- I think it was more so with my male clients that I felt that it would be giving me a chance to really connect with them a little bit deeper. Um, and so what I would do is I have, I have multiple memberships throughout Westchester and Putnam County, and I get the opportunity to bring guests this is something that gyms don't want me to say or don't want to hear, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, partner training, I think, has been a very big thing for me because it gets me the chance to get my workouts in, uh, still follow my program, but then again, I have a handful of clients that I get to work out with and connect with on a different basis. You know, When you sweat with them and you suffer with them, it's different, man. There's a different connection that comes from it. And uh, I think that's my innovative approach to coaching. Coaching which, you know, you can't do that in a gym. That's something that's frowned upon. When you work at a gym, you can't work out with your clients because it's... What, what's the reason why you, you can't? Uh, the gym looks at it like you're taking money out of their pocket in a way. They might be thinking like, oh, they're supposed to be paying for your service. They might take advantage of you, uh, all that stuff. But I think that if it's looked at as another avenue, uh, maybe a discounted service, maybe if someone doesn't want to pay $150 for a session and they and they could get a little bit more of a... Uh, of a of a lower rate. That's kind of been, you know, I, I definitely don't go with it for the lower rate side of things. It's more so for me to connect with my clients deeper and for also selfishly because I know I'm getting my workouts in as well. No matter how busy I get, if I have two clients that are doing partner training, I know that I'm getting my workouts in that week for sure because I'm a human. Uh, I could fall off too. Yeah, and, and you kill two birds with one stone. For sure. No, but that, that part I didn't know that like so, if you are working at a gym and you are, you are training your your client, but you are showing them the exercise, working out with them, they don't want you to do that. Or so it's uh no, people love that. People love that. People want to be taught things, but there are certain people that don't want to be taught things, and they just want to be accountable and held accountable. Um, and I, you know, and I could be wrong when I say this, but this is my impression that I've gained throughout being in the industry for almost ten years is um, a lot of my male clients don't want to be told what to do. I want to be, I, I prefer working with male clients. I don't, ter- I don't steer away any clients at all. I work with every human being that walks the face of this earth, but I 
value, I would say, a little bit more working with my male clients. I relate with them a little bit more. That's in my arsenal of clients. I say 80% of my clients are male. And it's there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's, uh, you know, when it comes to coaching, knowing your client and your ideal client, who you want to invest your hour in, is just as important than the person that wants to invest their hour in with you. So I'm at the point of my coaching circle where it's like, I don't have to just take on clients because I need the money. I take on clients that make sense for my schedule and that I also gain a good value of that I know that I could help. What's your ideal client these days for the summertime? For the summertime? Uh, well, I'll just say in general, um, my ideal client is, I would say a male oh, you know, in, from the ages of, anywhere from the ages of 40 to 80. 40 to 80. But the reason why I say 40 to 80 because you know, being being a human being, you want to be able to use your body for as long as you can. And I think that men over the, men over the age of 40, there is a time frame where you start to lose the ability of building muscle. You, st- you actually start to, you know, after the age of 30, you start to build uh, 1% body fat on an annual basis, and you lose one pound of muscle if you are not maintaining. So... That's something that one of my mentors had mentioned to me a few years back at a fitness conference when I was really deep into the corrective exercise lifestyle. And I wasn't strength training as much. And uh, it, it was a battle getting back into strength training. But once he mentioned that to me, I was like, man, that's not only important for me, but that's important for also the eyes of not only men, just human beings in general. So I took it upon myself to just understand that these guys want to be able to move with their kids. These guys want to be able to play ball with their kids, soccer, baseball, whatever it is. They want to be able to move for a long period of time. Have that energy to to do things. Yeah. To to live life lively, you know, not to not to struggle to move and to pick things up and to do yard work and stuff like that. I want to make sure that human beings are functionally sound to not only do the things that they love to do, but do the things that they also need to do on a regular basis. Um, and the older clients, I really love working with those older clients, like the 75-year-olds, the 80-year-olds, because they think, a lot of them think that they can't do anything. They can't. But they can, right? They could focus on their breathing patterns. They could focus on reducing restrictions throughout their body. They could focus on developing better core stability and doing movements on the ground and even even them getting up and down from the ground is helpful right you think about you know a lot of a lot of fatality a lot of injuries that happen with the older population come from falling yeah so with with them maintaining their ability to understand how to catch themselves or to maintain balance it's probably one of the most valuable things that you could give to your your grandparent um, or any older person in your family is their ability to have movement independence and awareness. Do you think like clients from the age to 40, like to 60 and above are most likely to stay committed to training rather than like a 20 years old who works out just to like be in shape? Nah, not because to be healthy and able to like have enough energy and you know to play with their grandkids and all that yeah <clears throat> i think um and i think that was a big i would say that was a very eye-opening reason to why i wanted to get into corrective exercise and foundational movement and postural work is because at the end of the day i don't really want to work with a client who's 20 years old that wants to get a six-pack before they go to miami Right, because at the end of the day, once they go to Miami, they come back, their goal is done. That's they they got their six pack, they went to Miami, they took their pictures for social media, you know, they did, they did what they got to do. But when you have someone who needs to use their body on a regular basis, who their family is relying on, where it comes down to, all right, my body hurts right now every single day. Is there anything I can do to make myself feel good? Yes. There's always something. You know, there's no dead-end road when it comes to the ability to move. And that's right. When you, when you think of the term mobility, it is movement ability. So 
maintaining one's mobility and their movement ability is probably one of the most powerful things that we could do as human beings. And that's why, yeah, do I want to maintain longevity with my clients for a business standpoint? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, it makes me feel better as a human knowing that I'm maintaining movement ability for others rather than just ha- letting helping my homie get a, a six-pack six pack. before he goes and parties. Yeah, that's that's interesting too. Um, I guess as a, as a coach, you also have to like think about what like what, what's your ideal client, and also like what's the like kind of like get in the mind of your clients, like their brain. What's the motivation for them to be working out? Like, is it gonna be something like temporary, like or getting a six pack to go to ultra music festival? Yeah, compared to like a a fifty year old who wants to have enough energy and be able to move his body to well to play with his grandchildren and at the end I guess the whoever has like a purpose that's more meaningful then it's gonna be like the client that's go- more it's gonna be more most likely to be committed to their goals yeah absolutely it's at the end of the day what moves you you know if you want to ask yourself that question and get an idea right if you're someone who hasn't been exercising on a regular basis and you may be taking three months a year from exercise sometimes you got to understand at the end of the day it's really not what you want it's really what your body needs right this is a machine and if this machine sits for a long time you got to warm it up you got to you got to fine tune certain things before you're performance ready before you hit the racetrack you know and i I use the analogy of a car kind of often, right? We, they're both operating machines. They're both something that could take us from one place to another. And if you think about it, if you have a, a – I'm not really great with cars, guys, sorry. But if you have a 1990 Camaro that's been sitting in your – it's not even that old. But if you have a 1990 Camaro that's been sitting in your garage for two years – you're not going to throw it on the racetrack right away. You're going to fine-tune it. You're going to make sure that it's ready to go. You're going to make sure that it's performance ready. And the same thing with the human body. If you haven't worked out for two years, you're not going to go into a CrossFit class. Don't. Do not. Get yourself ready. Get yourself warmed up. My, you know, my CrossFit friends might, might be like, why? I think CrossFit's great. CrossFit is awesome. It's a sport. But in my opinion, I don't look at it as an avenue of, of exercise for every single individual. I think there's a a certain target of people that should be practicing CrossFit. Or if you want to practice CrossFit and if you want to do that sport, there's certain things that you should be doing to prep yourself for that, to get your body physically capable because um, there's a lot of movements that go on and there's a lot of room for error. There's always room for improvement too, no? Always room for improvement. So saying like, you know, CrossFit's definitely like, all right, if – someone wants to run a marathon i would say that's like almost like taking not no it's not like almost like taking a crossfit class but in the performance level of preparation um i'm not going to run a marathon without taking without at least three months of strict training realistically three months is light it should be more like four to six months in my opinion but if i haven't worked out for two years i haven't ran for two years i'm not going to run a marathon in a week it's not gonna happen. You gotta prepare yourself. Yeah, I'm actually notorious. I've, I've lately my training routine has been kind of off. So like the the things that have been getting me to do my runs have has been me training for races. So I basically have a race every single month until the summer. Wow, keep myself ready. Keep myself ready, primed, staying committed to your training. Yeah, we'll get you scheduled for one too, man. Yes, sir. Yeah. Now that the weather is uh, better, like I like, like I said, I prefer to run more in the spring summer fall not really a fan of running in the winter <laughs> yeah we got we might have to we might, we, you know what it is man they got to get uh they have to get like a a race for like people with their dogs yeah you know what i'm saying like i think that's something anybody out there that's got a creative mind and you don't and you want to put that out there let me know i could be, i could be involved <laughs> with getting that set up but i think that's a brilliant idea I'd to run with the dog yeah man because you think about it like Dogs are going to follow your lead. So if you do a three-mile run, you could prep them for that. You know, yeah, you no, could get them into a different routine. You could change their walking lifestyle and their routine as well. They're following your lead, man. They do what you do. Exactly. So we'll get you and Max on the, we'll get you and Max on the pavement. Me and Max. And 
Let's do it. Are you going to be training new clients uh, this summer? Definitely. All right. Do you um, want to shout, uh, shout out your Instagram so they, or your website? So for any listener that's looking for a personal trainer, you can um, find you whether on your website or Instagram. Yeah, definitely. Um, my Instagram is move with jihad. Uh, it's move underscore with underscore jihad. Uh, my website is mobilemovementny.com. Um, when it comes to working with clients, right, I do love and enjoy doing one-on-one services. Um, I do look forward to also sharing some seminars and workshops this 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 year. Um, and I also love the idea of working with other businesses, big businesses and corporations to make sure that their workplace is happy. So definitely, guys, if you have any questions at all, you feel free. Shoot me a direct message. I'm actually taking a month off of social media. I might pop on just to share a couple of other things before, I'd say probably maybe today or tomorrow, and then I'll be taking the rest of the month of Ramadan off, uh, respectfully. But um, I think the best way to reach me is um, definitely uh, shoot me a direct message, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Uh, my email is also on my Instagram page, so you could reach out to my email as well. All right, guys, whoever's looking to uh, get a personal trainer for the summer, hit up Jihad and... Jihad, thank you so much, bro, for coming on the the show and, and share about your culture and Ramadan. Um, me personally, I learned a lot of things about it today, and I'm sure our listeners, uh, too, will appreciate all the knowledge that you shared. And like I said, whoever is looking for a personal trainer, hit him up. And yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show. You have one, any one thing to say? One more thing I want to share. You know, I think one of the big reasons why I, I wanted to jump on this podcast was uh, because I, I watched your recent podcast in regards to you have a relative back home who is who's going through some stuff right now, and um, you know you guys are holding a raffle. Yeah. So one thing that I like to do today, um, and you know, for the listeners or for anybody that you know, if you post this on your social media in the next, we'll say in the next. Within, within a week, yeah. Within a week or so. Um, I'd like to make a donation of $250. Um, and if anybody matches that donate, well, or say if we could get a a total of an additional $250 on top of that, then I'm basically looking to match any donations that we get from from now until the end of Ramadan. So up to $500. So my 500 is my cap. That's what I could, that's what I could limit myself because I want to do as much and I want to give to as much as possible but I really value who you are as a person and anyone who is a relative of yours is a relative of mine. You know, we share the earth with people, you know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, anybody that's walking the face of this earth with me is my brother, my sister. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I really, uh, I really appreciate, um, what do you do? And, um, the fact that you mentioned about my aunt, I wasn't really going to talk about it in this podcast. I forgot, but, uh, yeah, we're doing a raffle. It's, uh, it's going to be on April 24th, 25th. Whoever wants to buy a ticket, it's 10 bucks per ticket, and you have a chance to win a Apple Watch, and, or uh, the second place is a, a, a photo outdoor photo shoot session. Um, I'm going to do the photos, so yeah, if you guys want to participate in the raffle for a good cause to support somebody who's battle, battling cancer, please uh, hit me up on Instagram. Uh, and yeah, thank you so much for every everyone to listening and jihad again. Thanks so much, bro. God bless you and stay stay strong during Ramadan. It's not it's not it's not something that you know anyone does it too. Like I'm sure it takes a lot of you to maintain your energy and all that. So yeah, thank you so much, bro, and be well. Yeah, man, we'll get you to do one day before <laughs> one day it's over as well. But I definitely one day. I definitely look forward to uh, coming back and communicating with you again, man, for sure. All right. Thank you, bro. You're great, man. Estás planeando un evento especial y preocupado de no poder capturar todos los momentos especiales, pues tengo la solución para ti. El Hustle Studio es un equipo de fotografía y videos profesionales que vamos a hacer que tu evento sea inolvidable. Con nuestros servicios de videografía vamos a capturar los momentos más importantes de tu evento, desde la ceremonia hasta la recepción, 
y vamos a hacer unas fotos muy bonitas de alta calidad que van a capturar la esencia de tu evento. Y también tenemos un 360 Photoboot para agregar un poco de diversión a tu evento. Puedes confiar con nosotros para capturar los momentos que importan lo más de tu evento. Contáctanos hoy para saber más de nuestros precios.